Gavalt. So today's daf is daf Chav Gimel in Mesachas Rosh Hashanah, page twenty-three in Rosh Hashanah, and we are up to the words Vili'avid Bain Amole Bain Achaser. All right, which is the third line on daf Chav Gimel Amar Aleph. We're wrapping up the sugya where we learned from the Mishnah that originally they would they would uh, light torches, but the the uh, Apikarsim got in the way. Yeah, the Stukim. We're getting in our ways. We sent out messengers, and but we're saying before before that happened, you know what was the process of of lighting the torches? And we said that they did it every month, no matter what, even if it was a Mali month, whether it was a Chaser month, we always lit the torches. Okay, says the Gemara. Here we go. Third line. We got a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us. Um, but. Why don't they light torches, no matter what? And if the were to fall out on Erev Shabbos, meaning it's going to fall out on Friday, what are we going to do? Maybe we should only light a torch when it doesn't fall out on, when it's going to fall out on Friday. Maybe that's when we should refrain, because the whole logic we said yesterday of why they didn't do it is because you're risking the Matzi Shabbos lick a torch. We say it like this. Why don't we, why don't we say... And since the and since it's going to now be known that we don't light the torch on Matzei Shabbos, on Reish Chodesh of Alzheimer Matzei Shabbos, even though we usually do it on a full month, they'll realize that it was Chaser because it must have been that Reish Chodesh took place on Friday, and it's only because that we're Shemr Shabbos, that the torches weren't lit. And this way, we can, the Gemara is manipulating a situation which will remove any sort of confusion from people in the diaspora. Answers the Gemara, no. People are still going to be confused. Even if you don't light torches on Friday, Rish Chaydesh. Why? They'll still come to make mistakes. Amri, people might say, Hi, Malehu, that really, the month that we're finishing up was a 30-day month, was a full month. And this, that the reason why we didn't light torches on Matzi Shabbos is isnusei hu de isnusei is because of an inus. Things happen. There's always that potential for things to happen. Says the Gemara. One second. <laughs> what does that mean? Okay. So you want to tell me that we that you know um, that we had the concern about lighting it on Friday because the Matzi Shabbos thick issue. How about this, says the Gemara? Let's keep it simple. Let's keep things, what we'll say, push it, yeah? And what should we do? Whenever you have a Malay Dika month, whenever you have a 30-day month, that's when we should light the torches. And whenever you have a 29-day month, never light the torches. This way, if Rosh Chodesh ever were to fall out on a Friday... We're not, and we don't light the torches on a Matzei Shabbos. People will know that the previous month was only a 29-day month because there's no other option, and, uh, and, and they'll know exactly when Rosh Chodesh is. Meaning, Chaj, do it 6 out of the 12, and, and make that the policy. Make, it, make the policy that 29-day months are going to get a torch, and 30-day months won't. Amr Abayi says, Listen to this. This is so, so chashev. Here's what's going to happen. People who live outside of Eretz Yisrael, and they're going to be completely reliant on the torches, they are going to have to not work for two days of Rosh Hashanah 
because they're not sure whether it's a whether El was a was a Malay month or a Chaser month, and because of the potential. Now remember, we learned that it was very rare for there to even be an extended El. But the Gemara is teaching us a beautiful lesson, and that is to just have people have Yidden waiting around and not working and not doing anything is a terrible thing. It's a terrible thing. People are going to be unsure. To keep people, people aren't going to, they're not going to be able to work on the first day, you know, we keep two days Rosh Hashanah, so Baruch Hashem, we're Zaycha. Yeah, even in Eretz nowadays, they have it because of us. But in, this, in a situation where it's not necessary and people are just keeping it because they're unsure, to keep people away from work when it's unnecessary, we don't want people to have bitl melacha. To us, it seems like a small thing, I think. Oh, everyone said, well, big deal. I think the Gemara is teaching us a very powerful idea. Yeah? The worst thing for any individual is to have nothing to do, to be lazy, to not be working, to not be accomplishing. Therefore, says Abai, we don't want to create such a situation, period. That completes that, that conversation, that Gemara. And now we're going to start a brand new, uh, a brand new Gemara with a brand new conversation, which will take us down to the bottom of the Yomad. Here we go. We said in the Mishnah on Chaf Beis Amud Beis, what did the Mishnah say? That originally they, originally they would light the torches, okay? And, and we said from where would they light the torches? Which mountaintops? Where they lit on, right? So we said they went from, um, they went, we said from Haramishcha, Lisarvata, Misarvata, Legrufino, Migrafito, Lechavra, and all these different places until finally the people in Surya saw all this. All right? So Zakta Gemara. They would bring these torches. All right. Kates are you, my see, and my soys, maybe include no soys, Vichulu. Amar Rebuda says, Dalid Mini Arazamim. Listen to this. There are four types of cedars, and this Gemara is going to lead us into perhaps maybe one of the first submarines. Well, I don't know, but we'll see. There were four types of cedars. Erez, there's Erez, which we know as cedar. There's Kasraim, there's Eitz, Shemen, there's Eitz Shemen, that's number three, Uvereish. And the fourth type of Erez is called Vereish. Kasraim, what is Kasraim? Amar Rav. Rav says exactly what Kasraim is. It's Adra. Yeah, so now we know exactly what it is. All right, what, what is Adra? So Rashi Baruch Hashem helps us out. Rashi says, oh, you know why you should know what Adra is? Because since you learned Daf Yaimi, this was mentioned as a type of cedar tree in Masechus Be'ah. Oh, okay, so whatever type of tree that was in Masechus Be'ah, that's what it is here as well. Okay, the Be'er of Shila Amri in the yeshiva of Rav Shila, they said it's Mavliga. It's that um, Kasraim is Mavliga. It's a Mavliga tree. The Amri law, and some say Zul Gulmish. It's a Gulmish tree. Upliga de Rabba Baravuna, and this argues on Rabba Baravuna, Dhamma Rabba Baravuna, this statement of, of these four kinds of Erez, Kasra, Mait Shemen, and Baraish, argues on Rabba Baravuna, um, uh, argues on Rabba Baravuna, Dhamma Rabba Baravuna, Amri Be Rab, they said in the Yeshiva of Rab, Asara, Minne Arozame. There's not four types of Erez, there's ten types. Of Erez. Shenamar Etain ba Midbar. I'm going to put into the desert Erez, Shita, Vahadas, Veit Shemen, Osim Bimarava, Braish, Tidor, Visashor, Yachtov. So you see, you have Erez, Shita, Hadas, Eit Shemen, Braish, Tidor, Taashor, 
all of these together. Okay, what is Erez? Erez is what we know as Arza. That, that's the famous cedar tree. Shita Tornisa. Shita is Tornisa. What is Tornisa? So let's take a quick look in Rashi. And Rashi says, um, where's the Rashi? Zot Rashi, ready for this? Pine, pine, the love. Yeah? And people say, excuse my French. And they really speak English. You know what I mean? So it's pine. We know it as pine. All right? Gavaldi. All right. Hadas. What is a hadas? We know what a hadas is. Yeah? It's a myrtle. Eight shemen. A parsima. Eight shemen actually is a parsima, which we've had very often throughout Shas, which is a balsam tree. Bereish um, barasa. What is Barash? That is Barasa. Barasa, Rashi says, is Busu Balaz. Not sure exactly what that is. Uh, Tidar, Tidar is Shaga. It's a Shaga wood. And Ta'ashur is Shurivna. It's a type of, uh, also another, apparently another type of wood. Okay. No, it grows, it's a special, we're calling it a tree. We're calling it a tree, so you never eat one. You still make a Shaga. It's not good. Right. Says the Gemara, Hani Shiva have we only listed seven. Why does he say there's ten? He said, Asara, meaning Arozamain, because it says in the Pasuk, and then we list seven. He also Dimi Omar, Hisifu Aleyam Alainim, Almainim, and Almugim. The Chazal added onto this Pasuk three more types of errors, which are called Alaimen, Alainim, Almainim, and Almugim. What are these? Alainim is Butmi. What is butmi? Rasha's butmi is ulmi in French. Huh? A statue? Pistachio tree? Maybe. I don't know. What's ulmi? I don't know. Okay. Um baluti. Okay. Omainim is baluti, which um, is a type of tree that grows fruits which are called glianda, Rashi says. And Almainim is Kesisa. This is very important. Look at Rashi Kesisa. We're going to focus on this right now. Min eights, it's a type of wood. I'm just reading Rashi. Ha'ayla bekarka hayam ushmai koralo. You hear this? It's coral. It's what's coral? It's coral. Coral, yeah. What's, it's coral. What's coral? It's a tree that grows off the floors of the ocean called coral. Now listen to this. Here we go. Listen to this fascinating Gemara. Ikad Amri Arainim Armainim and Almugim. Some say that it's Arainim Almainim. No, instead of Alamid, it's Arash and Almugim. Arainim Are. Almainim is referred to as Are. Rashi says they're uh, Luria, which is a type of tree that grows a fruit called Bayish. Okay. Um, Armainim is dolbi. Almainim is dolbi, which is kashanti. I believe that's chestnuts. And almaigim is kesisa. He agrees it's karel. Now listen to this. There's a pasuk which says strong boats cannot pass over it. All right? This is, um, this is uh, Yeshayahu teaches us that in the times of the Beis Hamikdash, the river that comes from the Beis Hamikdash is going to ultimately start out like a little stream from the base of English, but eventually gush forth. Remember we had this gush forth to a point where it's going to be so strong, the waters, after it leaves the base of English, obviously, that ships, it's going to be too wild for ships to even pass over. Okay, listen to this. Omar Rav, Zu Borne Gedaila. 
This is talking about a borny. All right. Hechi Abdi. What is this borny boat? Maisu shis alfei gabri betreisar yarchi shak. Let me explain to you what a borny. This borny boat will not be able to cross this river that ultimately starts flowing from the Beis Hamikdash when the Beis Hamikdash is rebuilt. Now, what's this borny boat? What type of boat is this? Listen to this. It's fascinating. Hechi Abdi. What would they use this borny boat for? They would bring 6,000 men to work for 12 months. Some say, no, 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 no. It wasn't 6,000 men to work for 12 months. Rather, it was 12,000 men who had to work for six months. Okay, so basically it was a big operation. What's this big operation? What's going on? Listen to this. And they would load up the boat. What does it mean? until the boat would sink. It would go all the way down. And they would send a, a man down there. They would send down a diver. And he would tie ropes of flax into the coral. See this? They, they would fill these big boats with dirt, the boat would sink, a diver would go down and tie strong ropes to the coral, which is at the bottom of the water. Now the tops of the ship were still seeable, because we're gonna see, okay, it was, it didn't go, it, it, um, the coral was not found in very, very deep waters. Okay, and what happened was, the Qatar luhu bisfinasa, he would tie the other ends to the boat, and then they would start unloading the dirt. So what they do here, they had this boat, they filled it with dirt, the boat would sink to the bottom, tie up all the coral to the boat, then they would start unloading the boat. What's going to happen now to the boat? It's going to start pulling up, it's going to start floating, and it's going to pull up all the coral along with it. This was the production that took place. The Kama de Medalia Akromaisa, and as the boat went up, it would pull out these coral trees. Umachlef al chad train bechaspa. This coral was so valuable that every ounce of coral was worth two ounces of silver. So it was obviously worth all this effort. Talos Parvosa Havion, and there were three main ports where they were able to pull coral. Parthi Bearmai, two of them were in ports of the Armenians, okay, Aram. Vechada de Bey Parsoi, and one port was by the Persians. The two ports of the Armoyim, they would bring up the Kasisa, the Poro. And in the Persian part, they would, they would scoop up pearls. Pearls grow in, remind me, oysters. oysters. Pearls grow, so they obviously um, they were finding pearls down there. Okay? Um, and that was called the uh, the port of the king. It's called the port of the king. That's where that was the fancy schmancy uh, valuable port. Okay. Why do we get on to this? Just remind ourselves. Why are we talking about this? Because we started quoting what different types of woods that were used for the torches, right? In the to spread to to spread the news for Eshchaydash. 
that we started talking about cedars and different types of wood. We're mentioning coral. And we're talking about coral. The Gemara is telling us this fascinating, uh, this, this fascinating uh, um, production that they had in order to, uh, to receive coral. Every shita, every tree that the Nachram took from it's going to end up coming right back to Yerushalayim. Anything that they took, all the wood, the, the cedar woods, the pine woods, also goes because Baruch is going to bring it right back. Shemar etim by midbar ered shita ve'in midbar in Yerushalayim. Shemar tzia in midbar ha'isa ve'goymer. Yeah, you think you're taking something from the Rebbeinu Shlaim? You ain't taking nothing from the Rebbeinu Shlaim. And by the way, what does Yerushalayim mean? Yerushalayim. Yeah, it's a city of completeness. Yerushalayim is going to be complete. Ain't nobody taking nothing from it. Yeah, it's all going to come back. The Yomar Abichan says, Anybody who learns Torah but does not teach it to other people, is considered a hadas out in a desert. What's a hadas? What do you do with a hadas? Yeah? You sniff it, you smell it, it doesn't have fruit. Right? How do you appreciate a hadas? By being there. A person might have Torah, but if you don't use it around other people, so it's wasted. It's a wasted opportunity. Whenever you have something, go out and teach it to others. There are those who say, anybody who learns Torah, and you teach Torah in a place where there's no other no other teachers, you are like a hadas in the middle. You go out, you're and you spread Torah in places where other people aren't teaching it. So that is like a hadas out in the desert. What happens if you're traveling in the desert? It's empty. All of a sudden you see is a hadas. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's growing out of the ground. You go over, you give it a smell. Ah, Yechavid, beloved. Yeah, so a person teaches Torah in places where other people aren't doing it. That person is Chavid to the Rabbani Shalom. The Amar Rabbi says, to the Goyim. What they did, there's nothing, to, there's no tshuva they could do. In place of copper, I'll bring gold. In place of metal, I'll bring silver. In place of wood, there'll be copper. In place of the stones, barzel, there will be metal. There will be iron. Okay? Meaning, whatever the Goyim did to the Yidden, whatever they tried to do in it, this Baruch is going to bring it right back. And we're gonna be in a we're gonna end up being in a much much better place than the goyim ever expected. Tachas Rebbe of my mevim I but woe to the goyim who can take the place of Rebbe Akiva and his chaverim who they wiped out. Baleim Oimer Benikasi Damam Lainikasi. Yeah, Benikasi Damam Lainikasi. The loss that. Yisrael suffered the Goyim, those who came against Kal Yisrael during that time and during these times are going to constantly suffer the loss that they caused to Kal Yisrael. The Taka, there are some things that are just irreplaceable. Period. End of that Gemara and Baruch Hashem. That's the end of the Umbud, but not the end of the Daf because I would not want to end the Daf on this note. Here we go. Says the Gemara of Ume, I am a Sois Vachulu, Umi base Baltin. Yeah, so it says, Where would they like the torches? On the top of these different mountains. My base Baltin, what is this place called base Baltin? Omar Rav, Rav says, Top of Chav Gimel Omud base. Ready? 
Zu Biram, this is Biram, okay, a place called Biram. My Gaila, what, uh, what does it mean out in the Gaila, out in the diaspora? What does it mean? Amargaisa, Zu Pumpadisa. It's referring to Pumpadisa. Okay, why is, why is that called Gaila? Because Pumpadisa was where a lot of the Taira took place outside of Eretz Yisrael, in Bavo. My Kimidiris, what does it mean that they would wave it until it was like a mamish, like a large Madura? Is a uh, a large fire. Tana, we learned call echad echad avuka Every person would take a torch um, in his hand and go up on top of his roof. Okay. Why? Because I don't know exactly why yet. All right, but ultimately, once the news came, Klal Yisrael let it be known that uh, the news was received. And when you have so many individual torches separately but all going at once it looks like one uh, it looks like one big fire also it's friends other names of mountains some say that these were in between the other mountains some say that they were on the other side of Eretz Yisrael and, was, and then it's whether the fires went to the other side of Eretz Yisrael, whether it just went along one border. Meaning, everybody agrees that there were fires lit on, on all the borders. The Shaila is, which mountains are they listing? One's listing the mountains on one side, the other one's listing the mountains on the other side. Between each and every um, mountain that they would light the torches on were five parsim. Okay, so um, five parsa. Uh, uh, parsa is a little less, three quarters of a mile or so, right? No, it should be total. Parsa is not three miles. Um, no, that's too far. A parsa is the amount of the amount of time it takes to walk eighteen minutes. So it's probably, probably, it's like three quarters of a mile. Times that by five, or so, probably three to four miles between each mountain. There was thirty-two. Um, thirty-two. Oh, those eight parsons. Okay. So we mentioned five places. Okay. So Tlosim There were thirty-two parsons. Nowadays, there's a lot more. The Gemara is asking a practical shaila. The Gemara says that uh, what happened is is that there's too many things getting in the way of traveling, and uh, people aren't going straight to their destination anymore. So the the path got a little longer. That the the eva the roads became nisivaisai they turned. And they twisted. Period. End of that Gemara. Okay. We got two more Mishnayas on our daf. Mishnah number one. We're going to discuss how they would handle the witnesses. Like what they set them up in a hotel. Like what was the setup for the witnesses when they came. We want to make sure that the mitzvah was not difficult on the witnesses. 
Right? Mitzvah is not difficult in the witnesses. And it's going to be a big, big limud for us. This Mishnah, and the next Mishnah is going to get into the actual cross-examination of the witnesses. So here we go. Next mission. There's a big chaser in Yerushalayim. It was called Beis Yakes. Okay, the Gemara is going to get into why it had this particular name. All right? Interesting name. And we're going to see that it's kind of like what people ended up calling it. Became like a nickname for the place called Beis Yakes. We'll see why they called it that. Ulisham Kolaidam Wisconsin. Anybody who witnessed the new moon, they would come gather over there. Ubezdim Bezdin would examine them there. They would mach kiddush. They would throw they would throw kiddush for them. They'd have a party, herring, kichel, whatever they wanted. Because when there's food, there's yidin. Yeah. So we wanted people to be to be uh, excited, to come give Vedas. Look at me, I'm going to go to Vedas. Ah, but maybe they don't need you. Still, I get good herring. Yeah. Okay. Originally, if people would travel there on Shabbos, they were they had to remain in that courtyard because again, where are they coming from? Outside the tchum. When you come from outside the tchum, you leave your tchum, you're limited to your four amos. They would have to stay in that in that area. However, Hiskin Rabbi Gamliel Azokin, Rabbi Gamliel Azokin made a takano, show you my halchim apayam amalicho ruach, that they can take on the tchum, thank you, of the people of that city. That they all, if you went to Yerushalayim to give testimony, you got the tchum of Yerushalayim. V'lai elu bovad, listen to this, and not only the witnesses, Ella ab chachva haba liyali. Even if you have a midwife who wants to come help somebody give birth, or a Hatzalah guy who's coming to help somebody else uh, who's, in, uh, who's in danger, a fireman, or from robbers, from a river, whatever reason, you're there, you're, help, you're there to help save Kal Yisrael. Anytime you travel, don't do Yerushalayim, anytime you travel somewhere because you're going to save Yidin, Mamish, Mamish, this mission. Right? You become like the Anshe Yair, Vyeshlam, Apayim, Amalacharuach, and you have 2,000 Amas in every generation. Now, you have to know when this applies, but I want to share a story, a little incident that I, could, I, I had with uh, my sisters and my mother. But you have to know when this applies. My mother, Zechariah Mubarakha, had a unique take on everything. And I don't know what she would say now that I'm repeating it in this circumstance, but to me, I'm connecting it. And here's what happened. We were all sitting around the Shabbos table. A lot of my sisters, are, they're, all, they're all fantastic. They're all fantastic. And, um, but they were having a conversation about like long shakels and it looks natural, doesn't look natural, and this and the whole thing. And they, they, they didn't like the... Some of them were mentioning they didn't like the trends of uh, how shakels are. And they're having a whole back and forth. And you know, mom, it's like everybody's fired up over here over the, the shakel matzim in Kali Zone. And uh, my mother was sitting there at her Shabbos table, um, listening to her uh, daughters, you know, fight it out. She's not saying nothing. Not saying nothing. It was it was a fa- it was a beautiful conversation. It was interesting. You know, I, I piped up a bit too. You know, and then after we're all done, you know, we all like spoke our piece, and it's like we're all tired. And I go on to the next conversation, and my mother like says, "I need you all to explain something to me. 
Why does it bother you if Jewish women enjoy performing their mitzvah? And that was it. Like, 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 she was basically saying, like, leave them alone. Like, people are going to do a mitzvah. Why do you have to make it harder on them? Like, okay, you have a shkafa, you want to go lamaila, you want to go above it. But there's, there's a mitzvah, there's a lacha. Why do you got to sit here and quetch about, you know, I'm even expanding on her words. All she said was ask us a question. She's like, why does it bother all you so much that, 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 that you know, let, let women do their mitzvah? I don't know when it applies. You need to have das to know when to apply this. Rabbi Gamliel is saying, listen, people are coming to a mitzvah. I'm going to do whatever's within my abilities to make it easier on them. I don't want them to be, to, to, for Yiddishkeit to, to, as long as it fits within halacha. But I don't want Yiddishkeit to be a drag. And if, if he sees that, he obviously saw that coming to give testimony with the party going on, as we'll see soon, still became like a shtickle, nah, I don't know, okay, it was still limited, a little bit of a kvetch, as we Yiddin do sometimes, right? He put an end to it. And he said, you know what? This is the new takana. This is going to be, this is going to be the decree. Now, we can't make the new gazeris, but I think there's a very interesting idea to notice and think about coming out of this mission. Do you know, if, why, the, do you know why the mission is called the Midrai Kachachama? Why? Because it's the mission of Eisei Kachachama. Okay, very good. Very good, beautiful. You see the birth. Good kazakh. Okay, here's the shayla. The place that they hung out in was called Beis Yakis. That's what we said in the Mishnah. Gemara here is asking, is it Yakis or Yakis? Who cares? So Gemara explains the difference. Beis Yakis, Tanan, Lushna, Ma'al If you call it Beis Yakis, that's a good thing. Why? It's talking about... Um, where um, where it's basically cleaning out an area to make it to make it neat, all right. In other words, why was it, why would it be called besiakis? Because it was a very clean, neat, comfortable area. Aidoma besiakis tanan, which is lishna de tsarahu, yeah, which is an expression of difficulty and tsar. Kidochsevuhu asur bazikim, and he was tied up in chains, which means why would they call it besiakis? Because we're locked we're locked into here. We can't go anywhere. Yeah, you might want to go to a kiddush with good food, but after a little bit, you know, you, you, want, you want to go out and explore. You want to see Yerushalayim? Amr Abaye Abaye says, "Toshma, seudas glaze yoyselam sham kedesh yiragilim lavoi." So you see, it was comfortable, and therefore, it is called base. Uh, um, therefore, it's called base yakes. It was a gavaldika thing. We made it very comfortable for them. So it's a positive thing. It was neat. It was clean. To which the Gemara says, Nah, you don't know Yidin. Abaye, you don't know Yidin. It might be clean. It might be good food. But don't Yeah, as they joke. To speak negatively at Kaiso. But the joke goes, you don't know how to quetch. Right? We'll find something to quetch about. And therefore, even if there is good food. But if we still feel locked up, people could come to give it a nickname of... Yakes, which is a lushan of tsar. Okay, period. End of that gemara. Next mishnah. Here we go. Okay, quick introduction. In Eretz Yisrael, 
Here's how it works. Well, around the world. Where does the sun rise? Which side? To the east. Where does it set? In the west. Okay. Now in Eretz Yisrael, the sun is going to be seen in the... It, the sun doesn't come directly across the top. In the hemisphere of Eretz Yisrael, it's not going to come start in the east and come directly on top down to the west. It's going to be a little bit southward. Okay? It's going to come around a little bit towards the southern side. Kind of like start start in the east, head southeast, up, 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 and then back down and set in the west. The whole year? Okay? Yeah, that's how it works. The whole year? That's how it works. Huh? It's not based on season? No. It seems that uh, across the board it was like this. Across the board. Now, what this means is that when it's high noon in Eretz Yisrael, that's where it's going to be the most towards the south. That's the sun. Okay? The moon follows behind the sun. It's behind. It's always going to be... The sun's going like, to like kind of be in the way of the moon, so to speak, towards the center. Okay? So now with that introduction, we're going to see that the, it's the, the question that were asked of the witnesses had to fall in line with them under... It, it, it had to at least make sense. And we're going to ask them, how do you see the moon? Right? Because if it's the beginning of the month when the moon is hardly noticeable, so you're going to be very limited in your time where, the, where you're even going to be able to see it. And very, it's very possible they actually saw yesterday's moon it was a little too early. Like it, maybe it was the, the moon from the last day of the month and they had to wait a little bit later in the day to see the new moon. So these are going to be some of the cross-examining that we're going to ask them. Here we go. Kate got advice to Adam. What were some of the questions they asked the Adam? Zug Shabbat So first things first, says the mission. Whoever showed up first, we spoke to first. Very important diuk. You know what this means? It seems to imply, and the mission is going to tell us soon, even if they accepted the first one, they still moved on to the second one. We're going to see a beautiful, beautiful message on how to handle people over there. We're going to see. We might as well, we might as well mention it now, even though the mission is going to tell us explicitly, right? Even if you don't need somebody, if they come to help, you talk to them. You don't make them feel like they wasted their time. The ones who came first, they spoke to them first, but there's going to be a second, okay, as we'll see. The older one comes in first. Tell us your story. What's going on? How'd you see the moon? Was it in front of the sun or behind the sun? Because again, if it's in front of the sun, what happened? It was last month. If it's behind the sun, then it's going to be this month. Let's find the dry moon. It's to the north or to the south. It had to be to the south. That was the only option. How high was it? Meaning, when you look out on the horizon, how high in the sky was it? Was it you know lower down? Was it higher up? A, a moon in the beginning of the month is barely visible. But what is visible? The slim crescent around it. So we're going to ask the, the point on the edge of the crescent, which way was it facing? Right? Which way was it facing? It, you understand? Because you only see the tips of it. So we're asking where the tips are. How wide was it? How wide was the crescent? If they said it was in front of the sun, then it was last month's moon, and and we cannot create rishchidus for that. Afterwards, they're bringing the second witness, not the second group. They would do one at a time. If both of their words go in tandem, then we accept their wit, the testimony. 
Let we cross-examine them separately. If they're both telling us the same story, good. Everybody else, you don't turn them away. You know what you do? You didn't ask the intimate details of the moon. You ask them, please come in. What did you see? North, south. What did you think? Oh, Next. All right. We asked them some basic bare bones question, nothing too deep. Why should you them? Not because we had to. Ella, beautiful, beautiful message. They shouldn't go out with their nefesh in the dumps. Yeah, pach. Shouldn't have nefesh in the dumps. We want them to be right. We want them to feel comfortable coming, and they're not going to be like, oh, completely wasted my time. If Beslan gives them not only the lavish food, but the attention and the appreciation for coming, then uh, then uh, they'll come next time. Okay. Frak the Gemara. Coming in front of the sun is also the same question as was it towards the north? If it's in front of the sun, it's going to be towards the north. The same question. Why are you asking two questions that are really looking for the same thing? You're right. But the question was like this. The primasa, which means the, 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 the dark side of the moon, that's what we're asking. The 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 pnim, the part that cannot be seen. Okay, was that uh, towards the sun or away from the sun? If they said it's facing the sun, then it's nothing because that's not possible. It's simply impossible for it to be facing the sun, right? Because then the whole then it would be light. The, the the whole light of the moon is dependent on the sun. What does it mean that? Um, that which is me, 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 uh, the mashel, the ruler, and the fright is with him. That makes peace in Bimraimov, up in Shemayim. What does that mean? Listen to this. This Gemara if it, it can make you cry. Mamish. You read this Gemara, it's incredibly emotional. Here's a fact of the matter. The sun never sees the pagam of the moon. You know why? Reality. Anywhere the sun's shining, the moon will have light. The sun never sees the dark side of the moon. Understand? Why is this, why is this amazing? Who's the sun? Yaakov Avinu. Who's the moon? Rachel. Who, what, is, what does the sun represent? You know, a, a position. Somebody who gives, the sun gives off light. If you ever want to give to something, you don't see the pagam in what you're giving off light to. All you see is what's taking on your light. That's all you see. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that fantastic? The moon is dependent on the sun. And the sun, that which is offering, this applies to everybody and everything, right? It applies how we interact with our spouses, our children, our, our family. We want to give over. beautiful. And neither do you see the pagam of the keshes. Okay. So I was trying to, when I was reading this, I was trying to think what's the deeper hashkafa uh, of the rainbow. You know, so we know a rainbow represents Kaddish Baruch Hu's patience. Uh, with, you know, even with, uh, with Ka Yisrael, if anybody else has something to share on, uh, you know, a message of the rainbow, I'd, I'd uh, you don't see the pagam of the rainbow. The, in other words, the rainbow is giving off light, but lechayra it's there because of our avir. But what do you see? You don't see the pagam of the rainbow. You see the beauty of the rainbow. 
say, oh, there's a rainbow. Right? You make a bracha on it. Right? Even when something's there only because it, even once a sin has happened, maybe that's the message. Even once a sin has happened, so now you have, you, you need a rainbow to prove there's still a relationship, but what do you see in the relationship? You just see the good, you, you just see the, you see the colors. You don't see, you don't see the sin that led to this rainbow. Guess, guess why? The sun does not see the pagam of the moon because the moon uh, is gonna is gonna be uh, depressed. You, you see, you see the bad in it. Yeah. And so that the people who worship the sun will not say Look, the sun is shooting arrows at the rainbow, and therefore there's never any sort of impression in Akadosh Baruch Hu's world that the sun or anything else in creation has any sort of power other than the Rabbanu Shalom. We'll hold it here. We're at the two dots. Rabbanu Shalom, we'll pick up from here tomorrow evening. I get enough.